But here, this is a word of the Lord. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, the sons of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we start off tonight, Lord Jesus, coming before you as sons and as daughters. Seen in your eyes as the beloved. Even if we didn't act like it today or this last week or feel like it today or this last week, we just cast off shame and condemnation and slavery thinking. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we just set it aside. However, the enemy has been speaking to you this week, whatever sermon the enemy has been preaching to you this week, as he has to my sweet wife and I this week, words of disqualification, words of condemnation, sermons about you'll never be good enough, you'll never change, you'll never accomplish. So tonight, just from our spirits, we just look to you, Lord, and we say, Abba, Father. Say it with me. Abba, Father. One more time. Abba, Father. I belong to you. Just tell him, even now, in the quiet of your heart. I belong to you, Lord. I am yours. This is how we enter into prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. There is no praying that gets done that's worthwhile unless it's in the name of the Son. And there's no sonship praying unless we know who we are. We are in the beloved. We are precious sons and daughters in his sight. Would you believe with me tonight for that? Before we go any further and look at his word. Would you believe, would you speak that over yourself in the quiet of your heart? I am a chosen, precious beloved son or daughter tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray you would help drive this truth home into our hearts. Even now, just lift off slavery thinking. We need you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us into your house, Father, for adopting us, for giving us that spirit by which we can cry, Abba, Father, we thank you for rescuing us from darkness and bringing us into the light.
I got saved at seven years old in a little room in Eldorado, Kansas, about 35 feet away from where I live with my sweet wife and seven kids right now. And grew up in church. And now, 31 years into my faith, I can say the one thing that the Lord has worked on in my heart over and over and over, the one thing he's doing is teaching me to live and act and think like a son. Not an employee, not a slave. And so this has been so deep on my heart this week. It's been burning in my heart this week that that we, when we approach the Lord, we approach him as a precious beloved son, as a precious beloved daughter. And we can hear over us, this is my boy. I'm so well pleased. I've got four boys and I'm just so well pleased with them. Even when they're silly, even when they make mistakes. I'm just so well pleased with my boys, my heart just overflows with love for them. And if I, being evil in comparison to my love for my boys, how much more the Father over you and over me tonight? Regardless of how I acted this last week, Father, forgive me. Regardless of my hunger or lack of hunger for the word this last week, how much I prayed in Christ, I'm beloved. Amen? And so this changes the way we think. Because my actions are very much formed, I'm very much moved by my opinion of myself as it relates to how the Father probably is looking at me right now. And sometimes even my ministry to other people and the outflow of the work of the Holy Spirit in me is blocked because I don't understand sonship. And so thus the great prayer starts with our Father. I come before you as a son tonight. Tomorrow morning, next week, I start my day off. I'm driving and I say, you're my father and I'm your son. I'm your daughter and it's going to be all right. You love me. You love me. You love me. And we, we feel shame and condemnation begin to lift off. The heaviness begin to lift off. So I wanted to start with that. The Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, three in one, the forgotten God in America, Father, the Son, and sometimes growing up in the church, the Holy Bible, and we've forgotten the Holy Spirit, and we're being reintroduced as a church to the Holy Spirit in this age. And I might be preaching to the choir right now. You all look like exemplary Christians, but I had another sermon I was going to preach tonight, and the Lord put this on my heart this morning. So, If this is preaching to the choir, just take it as something, as a fresh reminder, and hopefully this will bless your heart. The Holy Spirit in John 14, if you go there with me, is described in a few different ways. John 14 and 16 specifically, but go with me to John chapter 14 in verse 16. If you love me, keep my commandments, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The Father will give you a counselor. In the Greek, he will give you a a parakletos, someone who comes alongside of you as a helper. The Father's going to give the Holy Spirit to you, 
And he's going to do two things. He's going to help you, and he's going to be with you forever. This counselor, this comforter, this advocate, he's going to be here to help us, even tonight. And he's going to be with us forever. Because Jesus in bodily form, not with us forever. Holy Spirit with us forever. Jesus in us via the Holy Spirit. Always and forever. In a prison cell or on a mountaintop, Jesus via the Holy Spirit with us forever. And then it says right after that in verse 17 that he is the spirit of truth or the spirit of reality. So we have him called the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, and then we have the spirit of reality. And Jesus says he is the truth. So the Holy Spirit is leading us into the truth that sets us free all the time. The Holy Spirit is helping us. He's, he's, he's counseling us to go to Jesus, the source of all truth and all reality. Where life completely makes sense is in Jesus. Anything apart from that, nothing makes sense. And then you look with me in verse 26. And he calls him the advocate again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things, and he'll remind you of everything I've said to you. So, so far we have the Holy Spirit, the advocate, helping us. He's being with us forever. He is the spirit of truth. And then he circles back to that, and he says, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, he's teaching you all the time. And he's reminding you all the time of what he said quick to forget. He's teaching us. We have no need, First John, to have any teachers anymore. We have the teacher. So hopefully what I'm doing tonight is just echoing back to the words of the teacher that I believe he wants to say to you here. So he's reminding us. Flip a page over with me to John 16 here in verse 7. But truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Mind-blowing sentence that it would be for our good that Jesus would go away. It's for your good that I go away. Because unless I go away, the advocate again, the paracletos, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, this is what he's doing to the world. And we already heard what he's doing to us. He's helping us. He's being with us forever. He's teaching us. He's reminding us. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing on the other side of the coin to the world. He is proving or convicting the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and coming judgment. That's what he's doing to the world. All day, every day, Holy Spirit convicting people, whether they admit it or not, of their sin and of the righteousness that they must have to enter into the Lord's presence and the fact that it's all about to come down. And there's a great day coming, a fiery day coming. Holy Spirit's doing that. Every day, don't forget. And then he says in verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, again, the spirit of reality, he brings it back. And he brings it back to the church here. But when he, the spirit of truth or reality comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. Number two, he will speak only what he hears. He's guiding us in truth now. He's speaking what he hears. And number three, he's telling us what is yet to come. John, the apostle, the beloved who wrote this book, the Holy Spirit is guiding us into all truth, like the gospel. And he's speaking only what he hears, like the epistles. 
And he's telling us what is to come, like in the book of Revelation. John had a threefold understanding of what the Holy Spirit was doing and saying as a gospel writer, an epistle, and the writer of Revelation. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, verse 14, because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus says, and that's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit is constantly glorifying Jesus. He's constantly declaring and making known Jesus in us to us all the time. The Holy Spirit is making all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has real in you and me on a regular basis. How important is it to get to the crux of what I want to say to you, that we know the Holy Spirit after all this glorious stuff about who he is and what he does, how important that we know the Holy Spirit and how much warfare there is, even in the church today, against knowing his ways and his whispers and his leadings and his guidings. How important is it to know the Holy Spirit because of all that John just described the Holy Spirit was going to do? Making known all that Jesus is and has in us real to us. Holy Spirit is talking to me on a regular basis. He's talking to you on a regular basis. Sometimes my ears aren't always open. Sometimes I'm not responding. I'm not obeying the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I can grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I can quench the Holy Spirit. He's very sensitive. But the Holy Spirit's speaking. He's the teacher. He's guiding me. Jonathan, don't look at that. Jonathan, don't go there. Jonathan, pray. I've got a burden. I want you to do this. And so slowly but surely, I'm learning to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And those who learn to stay in step with the Holy Spirit are sons and daughters of God. How important to know the Holy Spirit. How important. So when the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead me and when he's wanting to guide me, He's doing all the hard work, but what he needs is my cooperation. So let's say, James, come here. Sorry, I just thought of this a few minutes ago. Let's say James is going to play the role of a stubborn person, okay? He's never been stubborn, right, Stephanie, in his whole life. But James is a stubborn person, and he's going to kick against me, and I'm going to try to lead him to this microphone because James has something to say to the church. All right, James? So I'm... I'm wanting him to come. Okay, let's go. I'm going to let him go, have his way. I'm going to come back because I love James. Mike, come on, let's go. And he's kicking against me. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to have him. I'm not going to force him to do it. I love James. I don't want him to come up here with the wrong heart and deliver a word to y'all, but I need his cooperation. All right, let's say you've been broken and now you cooperate with me. And man, here we go. Bam, bam. And he's just going to share a word. Just share whatever's on your heart right now. If you could say one thing to the church, one thing to the church in this hour, in this hour, what is it? John 17, 26. That says that Jesus prayed that, that we would love him, that the love that the Father has for Jesus would be the love that we have for Jesus mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit's work. Come on, that's good stuff right there. Come on, come on. Zero planning, that worked out, because that would have been awkward if you hadn't said anything good there. So uh, Holy Spirit constantly, he's getting us to the place 
of saying what we need to say or doing what we need to say. And we resist him, right? We pull back. We're like Balaam's donkey, right? We're, we're, we're resisting. Balaam's beating him, all that kind of stuff. And the Lord says, don't be like that. Don't be like a mule that has to be turned with a bit and a bridle. Be like a horse, a well-trained racing stallion who knows which way to go because the reins are laid softly across his neck. I want you to move by my impulses. So, that's what he wants. I am not very good at this, but I think I've got a word to share with you as to maybe some help here. The Corinthians church, you guys have maybe heard a thousand sermons if you've been in church about the Corinthian church and what they were like and what they struggled with and all the carnality. And so here we have a people bought by the blood of Jesus. Paul actually says crazy things at the beginning, like, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him, you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. You've got every blessing in Christ Jesus, Corinthians 1, 4 and beyond. I'm like, and all the things he's about to say to him, I'm like, I wouldn't start with that. I'd start with repent, you know, or something else. But he's like, you've been given so much, Corinthians. In Christ Jesus, you've been given so much. But they were carnally minded. They were obstinate. They were stubborn. The Corinthian church, much like the American church, has it all figured out on her own without any help from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And he's breaking us of that. He's teaching us to stay in step with him. So he starts right off the bat in chapter 3, describing that there's two classes of Christians. There's fleshly, carnally minded Christians, and there's spiritual, spiritually minded Christians. 3.1, brothers and sisters, believers, he's talking to here, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit or spiritually minded people, but I had to address you as people who are still worldly, bought with the blood of Jesus, sealed, but you're still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I give you milk, not solid food, for you are not re yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly, and this is how I know, for since there is still jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly and unspiritual and carnal? Are you not acting like mere humans? He goes on to say after that, that some people are going to show up on that great fiery day of judgment and all their works are going to be exposed by fire. And one class of Christians, the spiritually minded ones, they're going to have gold and they're going to have silver and they're going to have precious, costly stones. And another class of Christians, carnally minded ones, are going to have wood and hay and stubble. And that first class of Christians, the spiritually minded ones, are going to be rewarded richly in the kingdom of heaven for eternity with treasure that will never perish, spoil, or fade. But that second class of Christians who are standing on the foundation, they tried to build on it with wood, hay, and stubble, they're still standing on the foundation of Christ they're going to suffer loss, and yet they will be saved, but only as those who are barely escaping through the flames. Oh God, that you would make us all spiritually minded Christians. Amen? I do not want to show up on that day and have wood, hay, and stubble and barely make it into the last row. I've got just a few more hours to live. Whether I die at 38 this month or whether I die at 98 in a few years, just a few more minutes and I'm done. That's all we have. 
And all that matters is Christ Jesus on that great day. And it's up to us what we do with this scripture. It's up to us. I want to help you. I want to I know, I know what it is to be a carnally minded Christian. Trust me, lots of practice. I got really good at it. And I know what it means to be spiritually minded. Not perfect, not a saint, but I know what it means to be spiritually minded. Let me help you. If you're like me, if you're lukewarm in the church, listening to sermons, I'm just a lukewarm kid from Butler County. And I grew up in the church and I had no passion for the scriptures and no passion for the Lord Jesus. And he changed me. He changed me. And that's a miracle. Just as much as if I was in prison because I had killed people and done drugs, that's a miracle that he changed me. Amen? Lukewarm Christian church kid changed to doing what I'm doing right now. Four characteristics of carnality. Number one, I could not address you as adults. I had to talk to you as mere infants in Christ. Characteristic number one of being a carnal Christian, you're a baby. And you have been for a long time. How do you know that you're a baby? Well, number two, characteristic of carnality, is you can't absorb spiritual words. In one ear, out the other. Tried to read my Bible for years, in one ear, out the other. Nothing stuck. Nothing stuck. Nothing went deep inside. It was like all up here. It was all real good, but it was all up here. Nothing got down inside. The word never got down in my heart. I was a Christian, but nothing ever stayed. And I was so frustrated, so much judgment, because nothing could stick. It's like babies. They can't absorb meat. They'll spit it right back out again. It's not possible. They have to have milk. Characteristic number three, jealousy and quarreling like mere men, ordinary men. What does that mean? You're doing the same thing. You're suing each other. You're, you're complaining. You're gossiping. You're talking behind people just like your unsaved coworkers do. Doesn't that mean you're still worldly if you talk like them? That's what I did. If you make jokes like them, if, 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 if your speech is unclean like them, doesn't that mean you're still worldly? Yes, it does. That's a characteristic of carnality. And number five, if you leave your finger there in 1 Corinthians and go to Hebrews chapter five with me, number five characteristic is that they're not familiar. Babies are not familiar. Carnal Christians are not familiar with the teaching of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 5 said this this way. I think Paul wrote it. I have much to say to you about this, verse 11, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Things just don't stick in carnal Christians very long. It's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Milk is not bad. I've got a four-month-old baby. He chugs his milk. He's a little fat marshmallow. Great. He needs more than that, though, someday. It's really good for the season it's here. It's not good long-term. He needs more than that. 
You need milk. That's okay. Not solid food right now. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. I'll get to that here in a minute. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Solid food for the mature. Who are mature people? Those who have trained themselves through constant practice to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, to know his ways, to know the difference between good and evil. This is the way, walk in it. This is the other, don't walk in that way. Those who have learned through constant practice, who have submitted themselves to the teaching of the Holy Spirit and have walked with him and let him guide them and lead them, they're the ones who grow from milk up into solid food. The solution for carnal people, according to Hebrews chapter 5, is this constant track practice to be trained by the Holy Spirit. This is why we love house churches. This is why we love house churches, to come together and listen quietly to the voice of the Lord and hear him speak. I love the prophetic being stirred up. Go back with me to Hebrews chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll finish up here in a moment. Solution for carnal people in Hebrews 5. Solution for the carnal Corinthians here. Go to chapter 2. Verse 12, what we have received is not the spirit, lowercase, of this world, but the spirit, uppercase, who is from God, so that we may know or understand the wonderful things that God has freely given to us. Let me say it again. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit, uppercase spirit, who is from God, the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we may fully know and understand all the good and wonderful things God has freely given to us. What good and wonderful thing has God freely given us? And the answer is himself. All things, look with me at the end of chapter 3. All things are yours, verse 21. Whether Paul or Apollo, Cephas or the world or life, death or present in the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. What wonderful things did God give us? Everything. Because he gave us himself. What was the package that the Lord gave us everything in? Well, the package was the man Christ Jesus. Everything I need for life and godliness, I got in Christ Jesus. I have no need of anything else. I am not working on being more loving or more patient or more kind or more gentle this week. Jesus in me is perfectly patient, loving, and kind and gentle. What I'm doing is I'm learning to draw on the life that I already have in me and let him live out through me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 it's because of him that you were in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness and holiness or sanctification and redemption. I said this last uh, couple weeks ago in El Dorado. Everything that God gave us, he gave us past tense in Christ Jesus. So my sanctification has already happened. 
It's already happened. I stand before you as one who has received full and complete sanctification in Christ Jesus already. Now, has it worked itself out through my flesh yet? You better bet you it has not worked out in my flesh yet. But everything I need is already in me right now. I'm not reaching out to get something else. Look, he has become for us. Past tense, Jesus has become my sanctification. So my wisdom, no more. My righteousness, no more. My own work on sanctification, no more. My redemption from my old life to my new life, no more. It's all his. Everything in Christ Jesus from first to last. From the first sentence of the New Testament, this is the genealogy of Jesus, son of David, son of Abraham, to the last sentence of the New Testament, Revelation 22, the last sentence, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. The name at the beginning and the end is all about the man Christ Jesus. All the Old Testament is about Jesus from the law and the prophets. That's what the Holy Spirit's unpacking out of me and out of you. All the perfect qualities of Jesus are right now in you. They were imparted to you at one time, not gradually. When you said yes to Christ at salvation, all of his perfect qualities came in you. Now, the Holy Spirit and the benefit of knowing the Holy Spirit is that now by the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit daily and gradually, I learn and understand all the good things he's given me. I learn and understand that his holiness is within me. His holiness is my holiness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. I've got to know the Holy Spirit to understand that. So it's not an imitation game. What would Jesus do anymore? It's an impartation game. I got the life of the Lord Jesus being imparted to me via the Holy Spirit. So I'm letting and I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in me and with me. And what I'm doing is I'm opening myself up and I'm allowing the perfect life of Christ Jesus to be exhibited in my flesh. That's all I'm doing. As a believer, that's all I'm doing. I'm not pressing in to get something. I'm leaning back, as Sam says all the time. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to live out and through me, and then I bear much fruit because I'm abiding. I'm abiding. And he's changing the atmosphere around me. Oswald Chambers says, Jesus came not only to teach, but to make me what he teaches I should be. Jesus came not to give us a list of rules and teach us, but he actually came to do more than that. He came to make us what the Sermon on the Mount says we should be. He came to change us. So what I did was at his redemption, I got his nature, the one that ruled Jesus' life, put inside of me. Praise the Lord. I got Jesus' nature inside of me. So guys, that means we no longer have to bow down at the altar of pornography and lust anymore. I got self-control in me. I just got to call in his name. I can't fight the battle alone. Saints, brothers and sisters, this means what could happen wrong is going to happen wrong is no more the law in your life, Murphy's Law. What this means is that you have hope to look forward to and you got the hopeful one inside of you. What this means is love for the word and passion for the Lord is actually already in you. 
The Holy Spirit wants to pray. Your prayerlessness is not a big deal to God. You just call out another source of strength. Your complaining attitude, your bitterness, all of it. The Lord Jesus already knows. He said it's all dead and gone. My holiness is your holiness. Sanctification, done and finished in Christ Jesus. Now draw from that. Learn to know my voice, the Holy Spirit says. Learn to stay in step with me. You guys remember Ephesians chapter 1? A great apostolic prayer. The Lord would pour out that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. With the eyes of your heart being enlightened, you would know all that you have, all the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I want the spirit of wisdom and revelation because it takes revelation to understand all that I've been freely given in Christ Jesus. You can't understand it by reading enough, I promise. You're not going to enough conferences. The only way to understand Christ in you is the Holy Spirit. He alone can unpack that glorious mystery. So, yeah, pray with me, if you would, just for a moment here. Holy Spirit, just pray to him. Holy Spirit, I just want to know you more. I want to know you more, Holy Spirit. However much you know him now, say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Savannah, can I have you on the keys up here for me real quick? I need a minstrel. Open my eyes, Holy Spirit. Just ask him if you would. I want to know and understand all the wonders of Christ in me. Holy Spirit, just ask him. Give me wisdom and revelation. Just cry out to him if you would, just this moment of time here as we wrap up. If you're grieving the Holy Spirit right now, if you're quenching the Holy Spirit right now, he already knows. Holy Spirit knows, the Lord knows. You say, I'm sorry, Lord. Sorry for grieving your heart with that constant sin. I want you to transform me from the inside out. Change me. I want to be made into your image, God. Just pray it to him if you would. sorry for ignoring your voice just tell him sorry for not listening for being stubborn love me anyway I'm a son, I'm a daughter change me Lord change me Holy Spirit make me like Jesus transform me into his image from glory to glory Yes. Even now, Holy Spirit, I pray you just do a work in this room of healing, restoration. I pray for those who feel lukewarm right now. Lord, I'm asking for a fire in Jesus' name to start in their hearts tonight, God. Just 
his passion for you, Lord Jesus. So I'm going to ask you if any, if anything I said to you tonight hit home and you want more, you want the Holy Spirit to take more acreage in your heart, push back things out of your heart and take more lordship over you. If anything I said, but you didn't hear what I said, it was something else the Lord said while I was talking and he put his finger on something in your heart and he's saying, go all in right now. Say yes to my gentle call right now. I'm just going to ask if you would just to stand. If the Holy Spirit touched your heart tonight with the desire to go deeper, with the desire to know him more, would you just stand? If he put his finger on your heart tonight, if you felt fire in your chest as you were listening, and you know it was the Lord. Baptize us with fire. Even tonight, Lord. Even tonight, Lord. I want to pray, Father, for everyone standing here tonight. Lord, I'm praying for transformation. I pray you would do something in them tonight, Lord, that would change them from here on out. More Holy Spirit, more Holy Spirit in each one of these precious hearts here, more passion, more fire, more desire. Change their thinking, God. Spirit of this world dulls our thinking. 1 Corinthians 2.12, we don't have the spirit of this world. The spirit of this world makes us drunk. We have the spirit that we might get revelation. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit gives us revelation. The spirit of this world blocks revelation. So when I drink deep of this world and its pleasures, it blocks revelation of Christ in me. So I'm asking, Father, in Jesus' name, for the Holy Spirit fire to push out that lowercase spirit of this world. I pray change at the heart desire level, at the taste bud level spiritually, change these people who are standing up now.